today is All Saints Sunday, the first Sunday in November. It's a Sunday that marks a shift in the church calendar. All Saints Sunday is kind of sort of like the elbow or the knee. It's the hinge on which we turn our hearts from 22 weeks of ordinary time to the high and holy days of Christ the King Sunday and Thanksgiving Sunday and the season of Advent. All Saints Sunday is a turning point an inflection point, the beginning of a liturgical crescendo that culminates on Christmas morning. All Saints Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's a day in which we celebrate our own sainthood in Jesus, as well as commemorate and remember loved ones in the faith who have passed on to glory, those whose sainthood is now complete. On All Saints Sunday... We're tempted to think that the category saint is diametrically and dichotomously paired with the category sinner. We're tempted to think that saints are moral exemplars, ethical heroes, the purest, brightest, kindest, most perfectest people who never thought a dirty thought, who never uttered a curse, who never lied or cheated, who were and are spotless, sinless and stupendous. In reflecting on sainthood, Nadia Bowles Weber, pastor of All Saints Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado, wrote this week, saints aren't a special category of people who happen to be the opposite of sinners. Saints are just regular sinners who happen to be forgiven. I love that. Saints are just regular sinners who happen to be Forgiven. That includes you. That includes me. Saints are forgiven sinners who forgive sinners. Saints are vessels of grace. Saints are conduits of mercy. Saints are passers on of what they have received in full. Saints are resurrected resurrectors. Saints know what they have in Christ and can't help but pass it on to other people. Our sermon text this morning is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 23, which you can find on page 192 and 193 in the New Testament in your pew Bibles. I can't think of a better text to turn to on this All Saints Sunday. Listen for how the Apostle Paul is just bursting at the seams with salvation. He's fired up. He's amped up. Word after word and phrase after phrase and sentence after sentence shouts our salvation story, trumpets our immeasurable inheritance, celebrates our saintly status. Friends, hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. 
For this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of your glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the power of his great working. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a beautiful passage. Bursting with glory, seeping salvation, rupturing with resurrection, exploding with redemption. Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Beautiful. Beautiful. Saints know their hope. Saints relish in their glorious inheritance. Saints are simply forgiven sinners, cracked jars of clay that God has put back together. Saints are those through whom Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. Saints are the person and presence of Jesus that we've come to know through ordinary, everyday people, in friends, family members, teachers, accountants, mailmen, and baristas. On this All Saints Sunday, do you know a saint? And could you be a saint? In his hallmark book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing. And so you're not surprised when he does them. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The only explanation is that he is building a quite different house from the one you thought of. Throwing a new wing on here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But God is building a palace. A palace that he intends to come and live in. 
Saints let God remodel and reshape the shabby cottages of their lives into something immeasurably far better than anything they could ask or imagine. Do you know a saint? Could you, you, be a saint? Had a visit with Carol Weiss this last week. Carol and her husband, Ron, perhaps you know them, are longtime members of PPAC Reformed Church. And as of late, they've had a rough go of it. Carol has been in and out of the hospital with various maladies over the last year. In March, she had an open wound and infection. In August, she had heart trouble. Five weeks ago, her kidneys started to fail. And two weeks ago, she had surgery on her ankle. It's been remarkable, though. Carol has bounced back each and every time there's been a setback over the last year. But, but Carol is in her late 80s, and no person in their late 80s should have to go through what she's gone through, especially in the last year. Last week, while Carol was recovering from her ankle surgery, she began to act strange, unlike herself. If you know Carol at all, you know how, lo- how much she loves to talk. And last week, Wednesday, Carol stopped talking. Last week, Thursday, she closed her eyes and wouldn't open them. Last week, Friday, she was basically unresponsive. The doctors were confused, and they told the family that they were sorry, but they thought that Carol's time had come. They thought that she was unwilling to live. So all of her kids drove to Morristown Hospital and gathered in her room to say goodbye. And then the strangest thing happened. The doctors realized that Carol wasn't dying. Her body was just having an allergic reaction to the antibiotics that she was on. So they weaned her off the medication, and within two days, Carol was back again. She was talking and laughing and smiling and hugging. I saw Carol on Wednesday. She was laying in her hospital bed with a big old smile on her face. If you know Carol, you'll know that when she smiles, her smile overtakes her whole face. Her cheekbones go up. Her eyes get a little squinty because there's just so much joy on her face. We were talking on Wednesday, and uh, in our conversation, she said to me, you know, Alex, my life has been kind of like that John Denver song. I said, oh, I know John Denver. Are you talking about, thank God I'm a country boy? That was a joke. You can laugh. Wasn't very funny. And she said, no, no, not, not that one. Uh, she said, the one about diamonds and stones. The one about diamonds and stones. I said, I'm not sure I've heard that one. So I, I pulled it up on my phone. It's called Some Days Are Diamonds by John Denver. And we listened to it together in her hospital in her hospital room, the lyrics go like this. Some days are diamonds, some days are stones. Some days the hard times won't leave me alone. Sometimes the cold wind blows a chill on my bones. Some days are diamonds, Some days are stones. The song played. John Denver's soft, smooth voice, which is 
far softer and smoother than my voice, serenaded us in room 247 on the second floor of the surgical recovery unit at Morristown Memorial Hospital. And after the song ended, we just kind of sat there for a moment. And, uh, and then she said, my life is kind of like that song. It's just so true. Some days, most of my days were diamonds. A lot of them were stones. And then, and then she paused and tears started to well up in her eyes and her voice started to break a little bit. And she said, and every day, God has been with me. Every day, God has been with me. Do you know a saint? Could you be a saint? Saints see God in the diamonds and the stones. Saints trust that God will take the diamonds and the stones of their lives, their joy and despair, their triumphs and failures, their brokenness and blessedness, Saints trust that God will take the mishmash, messed up mixture of their lives and fashion it into a palace of grace. Saints know their hope. Saints relish in their glorious inheritance. Saints are forgiven sinners, cracked jars of clay that God has put back together. Saints are those through whom Christ plays in 10,000 places, Lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. Saints are ordinary, everyday people. Friends, family members, teachers, accountants, mailmen, and baristas who have found themselves in Christ and now can't help but show us that there's enough room in Christ's heart for our stories, too. Frederick Buechner, about saints, writes, To be a saint is to live not with the hands clenched to grasp, to strike, to hold tight to a life that is always slipping away the more tightly we hold it. But to be a saint is to live with the hands stretched out, both to give and to receive with gladness. To be a saint is to work and weep for the broken and suffering of the world, but it is also to be strangely light of heart, in the knowledge that there is something greater than the world that mends and renews. Maybe more than anything else, to be a saint is to know joy. Not happiness that comes and goes with the moments that occasion it, but joy that is always there, like an underground spring, no matter how dark or terrible the night. To be a saint is to be a little out of one's mind, which is a very good thing to be a little out of from time to time. It is to live a life that is always giving itself away and yet is always full. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Do you know a saint? Could you be a saint?
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.